As Eckhart Tolle said, boredom, anger, sadness, or fear are not yours, not personal. They're conditions of the human mind. They come and go. Nothing that comes and goes is you. Join Sue Jackson every Tuesday at 10 a.m. for Finding Human, a look at the wonder that is the human mind, right here on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and Craig has just asked me if I've got a guest today, and I said, no, I am my own human today. I have often been asked lately um, what the meaning of life is and how can people find purpose. So I'm going to actually talk through a bit of uh, some of the experiences I've had myself and because no one can actually tell you what meaning your meaning is. It is unique to each person and has to be found by you. No one can tell you what your purpose or your meaning are. And that is a very important thing. Right now I'm going to tell you um, an advert by Hirsch Lions School which is promoting an Explore to Win More competition until the 27th of September. Um, this will be a hunt for clues, pictures and riddles and it's over a seven week period in different Jewish sponsors uh, stores and it's in conjunction with Pick and Pay Hypermarket. For more info go to the Hirsch Lions Facebook page www.facebook.com slash Hirsch Lions Schools. There are many prizes up for grabs. The Hirsch Lions Explore to Win More competition for this week, the 24th to the 31st of August, is the Clue Picture Riddle. You can obtain it at sponsor stores, Nisbohm's Butchery in Glen Hazel or Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood. And there are also more in-store competitions at Nisbohm's Butchery. That's Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood. I just wanted to tell you about that, that last time I had a little uh, girl in, uh, Tanner Lyon, and she was so excited to hear about this competition. Right, if you would like to SMS me, you can at 34519 or you can WhatsApp me on 061-895-1019. Now, I want to just say that there's a demand quality of life. At moment by moment, we face different challenges every day and some days are easier than others. And sometimes just getting up in the morning and waking up for some of you might be really difficult. And that alone is the meaning in the challenge. It is actually stepping out of bed and getting up. And who knows why we are alive today, but we are. And therefore, how we live is the opportunity given to us. That is in our attitude. That is the only freedom we ever have. Lately, we have been witness to words and how words can heal or harm. I'm sure quite a few of you have seen that YouTube that's going around, and people are are pretty shocked by it. But, you know, I have come to realize that a lot of of what's been saying is to divide and... and, um, Break us up as a people And we cannot allow that to happen You know there is that saying We are all on a pilgrimage To find peace within ourselves And within the world And that is in often The power of the words Now as a community We can actually 
help heal the world. How can we? You know, right now, after I heard that um, very racist YouTube, and then I heard as well all the uh, different things that people were chanting um, against whites, against blacks, against all our different people in our in our country. My soul cries, I must admit, for our country and the hate speech and the racist slurs that are inciting us to hatred and division. And and you know what, but at the same time in darkness there is an opportunity to light a flame, not one of violence, but a flame of reconciliation and understanding. This is a choice we each have. Each of us can light our own candle. I mean, why should we wait for others, for politicians or anyone else to heal our country or to divide our country? We can rise to the challenge and actually decide what we do. And just this week, Senator uh, John McCain uh, passed away. And quite honestly, I was reading quite a bit about his lifestyle and his life, his autobiography. And he was in the uh, prison of war camps for for many years in Vietnam. And you know that he eventually went back to the place where his plane was actually shot down in a lake. And he chose to actually say we've got to work towards peace. In his last letter now, I heard today on CNN to the American people, he spoke about tribal rivalries and how this was tearing down the United States values. And I think that is also what's happening here. We're becoming fragmented. We are seeing our differences instead of what actually can unite us. And then I thought of Maya Angelou. And Maya Angelou is an African-American, um, she was an African-American activist, social, uh, civil rights activist, a writer, a poet. For those of you who don't know her, if you manage to get hold of the book, When the Caged Bird Sings, it is a life-changing book. Uh, it really is. It tells about her autobiography. And she was sexually abused by her, her mother's boyfriend when she was about seven years old. And her uncles actually uh, killed him. And she was totally traumatized by it. She had told her brother what had happened. And she felt that her words had caused someone else to be killed. And so she became mute. She became mute for something like four years. Now, if any of you have heard her motivational speeches, her talks on Oprah, her YouTubes, I would advise that you go on to them because her words are so powerful. She found her voice and she made a difference in her, in the world. She turned her unbelievable trauma to something that was great. And positive psychology talks about post-traumatic stress disorder, and they say it can actually become post-traumatic success and growth. And that's certainly, I believe, what Senator John McCain and Maya Angela did, and we can learn from all of them. Now, I just want to tell you a bit about Things that I actually really value And one of them is family And yesterday um, I met some cousins of mine And I must just say that this is in gratitude And Judaism says that gratitude is uh, um, That Judaism is gratitude with 
attitude. And I really actually like that because modernity is I give thanks. I give thanks for, for today. I give thanks for, for bringing me back into my body. And so yesterday I met some cousins of mine in Benoni and we went to the, a garden of remembrance at a church there. And we're just going to break for an advert and then I'll tell you. Last year, Derek Weltman, a guy I know, was interviewing to be CEO of the corporation he already worked for in a lower executive position. The CEO who was retiring asked Derek if they could meet before the interview. In the meeting, the retiring CEO said, Derek, I know you want this job, but you have to be ready to pay the price for it. Three months ago was my daughter's wedding. At the wedding, I looked around and realized that I didn't recognize any of my daughter's friends. I didn't know what books she read, and I didn't know what foods she liked or disliked. In short, I didn't know my daughter. Throughout my career, my sole focus was working as hard as I could to achieve as much financial success as possible. I never took a step back to think about what I was truly living for. If I did, I would have realized that no material success is worth anything if I don't get to spend my time on earth with the people I love. Derek decided not to interview for the position of CEO. After thinking about his life's purpose, he realized that the changes he needed to make in his life were in other areas and had nothing to do with his career, so he stayed with his present job. To be successful in life, we need to take a step back and think, why am I here? What is life all about? If we go through life without clearly answering that question, we run the risk of experiencing enormous regret later in life. Answering this question is the bedrock for everything we do. It informs every major decision we make and impacts how we set our priorities and aspirations in life. The Path of the Just, a classic work on Jewish ethics, teaches that the first principle to leading a successful, meaningful life is knowing what you want out of it. Know where you are headed, examine your value system, and then set your goals that are in sync with your purpose. Only after speaking with the former CEO of his company did Derek examine his own life values, which ultimately guided him in making a major decision in his life. The Jewish people have been blessed with the Torah, a guidebook that provides a moral compass that helps us navigate through our journey towards self-discovery and meaning. By contemplating what we want out of life and by using the Torah to guide us, we can gain clarity about our personal goals and values, just as Derek did. The decisions we make and the steps we take towards achieving our dreams begins with the most important question we must ask ourselves every day. Why am I here? From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. And if you'd like to WhatsApp me, you can on 34519. Uh, sorry, you can SMS me on 34519 or you can WhatsApp on 061-895-1019. That YouTube that you've just listened to was from H.com and it's called Spirituality. And what the story I'm going to actually tell you about yesterday fits very much into that because 
I went with my cousins to a garden of remembrance at a church in Benoni where there are all the plaques up for our grandparents, our parents, our aunts and our uncles. And we actually joined hands and one of my cousins said a prayer thanking our ancestors for the values that they taught us, especially for the values of respect and loyalty, love for each other, for the family and for the greater community. And, you know, we have all made different choices in our lives. We've gone in various directions. I have certainly gone in a different direction to many of them. And yet we remain bonded by love and values. And one of the most spiritual people I have ever met was my grandfather. And when I say spiritual, I can really say quite honestly, I have met many religious people who wear the garb, who wear the uniform, and yet they are certainly not spiritual people. My grandfather was a great philanthropist and a believer in reaching out to the greater uh, community. He believed church was for christenings and weddings and funerals, and yet the values he taught us were universal values, that respect to all cultures and religions, responsibility for each other and for the wider community, as I said. And I never heard him say a bad word about anybody. And quite a few of us, his grandchildren, were at boarding schools. And um, he used every second week, he'd write to each of us. And he'd always end his letters. Omar joins me in sending her love, and I remain your loving grandfather, Norman Webster. Well, we all looked forward to receiving these letters. And he would sometimes also include a bit of pocket money for us, which we also enjoyed. Do you know that in the last 10 years of his life, he lived with my grandmother in a residential hotel on the Berea in Durban. And I remember very clearly being introduced to a waiter at the hotel, an Indian man whose son had won a bursary to study in Britain. My grandfather was exceptionally proud of this young man. Later, when I was leaving my grandparents, as I got into the lift, the, the father of this young man deliberately asked the lift man just to hang on, and he got in with me. And then he told me something that has stuck with me always. He wanted to tell me how much he admired and loved my grandfather. And it transpired that just as my grandfather had written to all of us, his grandchildren, twice a month, so he wrote to this man's son studying in the UK. And he used to put a bit of money in for a pocket money as well for him too. No one else, not even my grandmother, knew about this. And looking back, I wonder if he wasn't instrumental in getting the bursary for this young man. Now, the Dalai Lama says, open your arms to change, but don't let go of your values. And I just believe that we need to look at those values. What are our values? Because our values often are the guideposts to meaning. They are what helps us find meaning. Um, uh, guideposts are actually, uh, Fabry, the famous logotherapist, says they are Traffic signs in our journey of life. They can say, stop, go, yield, or the wrong way. Now, Einstein said, anyone who has never made a mistake has never tried anything new. Well, this is absolutely true. 
And whether we recognize them as values or not, we all have them. They naturally exist. And they come out when we do try something new often or when we are feeling that we are stagnating. So we need to ask ourselves, what are the values we want to pass on to our children and to our next generation? When I look back at my grandfather, and as my cousins and I were discussing yesterday, he had very feisty children, children, all our aunts and our uncles and our parents, who were very outspoken, they were strong people, and they certainly all worked for the greater community. But I'll never forget one thing, which I I would like at times to hand on to my uh, Grandchildren or my children But I don't So some values we actually hold on to ourselves And we, we pretend they're not values my, I was once with my aunt Who was an amazing woman She um, she certainly found meaning by, by reaching out to other people She had no children of her own And my cousin and I Were very close to her She moved around uh, South Africa and Africa She lived in the, then Rhodesia for quite a long time then in Durban, in Howick, and in Bergville. And wherever she went, she started these women's forums, which were unusual in those days because they were mixed forums of, of different uh, cultures and religions and what have you. And she was married to um, a, a very pucker uh, Irish man, actually, very pucker English, who was um, a Navy surgeon in the World, World War II. And one day... I was staying with them in Burgle and we were having breakfast when suddenly he said he didn't like the way his egg was cooked. All of a sudden, I saw an egg fly past me and hit him on his lapel. Well, I was absolutely stunned. He he stood up. He wiped it off. He said, good day, Susan, dear. I have um, I've sorted out some albums and I'll go through with you later. And he left. Well, my aunt and I looked at each other. I looked at her, first of all, in total disbelief. And then she and I started to laugh until we cried. But this is certainly not a value I will pass on or not a value that any of my other cousins have tried. Thank you, Craig. We are going to uh, advert. The best part of your day. At the heart of your community. All the talk. All the music. All the news. Hi, FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. And I am my own human today. We're going to be listening to a YouTube shortly by Rabbi Sachs on the one word that can certainly change a life. And I think perhaps my, my aunt should have practiced it that day when she threw the egg across the room. But um, I would like to just do this DL Link um, advert first because it's just so worthwhile. Thank you, Craig. We're going to be listening to Rabbi Sachs now. the sound of slichot, of saying sorry. The special prayers we say at this time of the year as we come close to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the Jewish New Year and the Day of Atonement. And there's something so powerful about the ability to say sorry. 
Out there in secular society, we live in a non-penitential culture. When was the last time you heard a politician say, I'm sorry, or a professional say, I got it wrong, or a pundit say, I made a mistake? Yet, we're always getting it wrong. That's what it is to be human. So to be able to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, forgive me, is important. It's a moment of honesty in a lifetime of keeping up appearances, of trying to look infallible. And I can say sorry because I know God forgives me. I know that because that's the kind of God he is. That's why he gave us Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So try saying to sorry to God. It might just help you as it's helped me to say sorry to the people I've hurt. Saying sorry is the superglue of interpersonal life. It mends relationships that otherwise would be broken beyond repair. You won't be sorry that you said, I'm sorry. Shana Tavu. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and I'm talking about finding meaning and our purpose in lives. And as I cannot give you your meaning or your purpose, I'm telling you different ways that logotherapy, for instance, tells us. It, because logotherapy, which is the um, health through meaning type of therapy of Viktor Frankl, states that Deep within our spiritual core, the healthy part of us, you know what kind of person you are and what type of person you want to become. Unfortunately, we wear many masks, and sometimes these are to be accepted. Sometimes they're actually to survive conflict within ourselves, a conflict of not thinking we're good enough or, or whatever it is that we're trying to hide. And yet we, in order to become the person we want to become, we have to slowly begin to remove those masks. We have to set goals to become the person we want to become, to change. Now, change is never easy. And um, values which uh, Fabry talks about, as I said to you, he says there are the traffic signs in our lives. And it's with values that actually help us on our journey towards change. Um, logotherapy also says there are two types of people, those who say yes to life in spite of their setbacks, challenges and difficulties, and those who say no to life in spite of the good things that happen to them. Now, there is no really fixed rule between yes and the no people because we actually, most of the time, we fall between the two. But the yes people do feel more fulfilled and happy and people do want to be with them. And the no people do feel negative, alone, depressed and often empty. So what is the person that we want to strive to become? We want to strive to become more of a yes person. And how do we do that? It's our attitude alone that can help us shift from a negative position to a positive position by seeing something, just even if it's the tiniest, as I said at the beginning, just the tiniest little spark 
of the light within the darkness. Because every single human is a spiritual person. The spirit is at our essence. It is our healthy core. Sometimes it does feel like even our spirit is ill through depression, through illness, through loss, grief. And yet, and, and sometimes we do need medication, we need psychotherapy, whatever it might be, to actually help us reclaim, our, reclaim ourselves. But the spirit is what we are and what we have to aim at reconnecting with. There are tasks in all our lives, challenges that are waiting to be fulfilled by you. Can other people fulfill them for you? No. And some tasks we can choose. Sure, if we want to do something for charity, we want to do something for ourselves, those are tasks we can choose. But others may be given to us. And these are called unalterable or unavoidable tasks. And our only freedom with these are to change our attitude. There are those of fate which you cannot change. And those are the unavoidable and unalterable. And yet, so what is our freedom here? Our only freedom is our attitude. Is this easy? No, not at all. I want to tell you about a story of two frogs. Have I got time, Craig, to tell a story? I have. Good. Two stories about a, a, a story about two frogs. And this is really a story about our challenge is to keep moving forward. That's where our growth actually lies. If we stagnate, we actually don't grow at all. So there were two frogs, one big and one small, and they both fell into a pail of milk. Well, they couldn't get out. They struggled and they struggled to get out. They kicked and they kicked and they they kicked their little feet moving and moving, their legs moving and moving. They were beginning to really, really tire out. After quite a long time, the bigger one said, I can't go on. I have to give up. I just don't have the energy to fight this any longer. And the little one said, please keep going. Don't leave me. I'll never, ever manage to go on alone. And they went on, but eventually the big frog gave a final croak and sank to the bottom of the pail. The little frog was heartbroken, but he didn't stop kicking. He actually kicked even harder. And eventually he felt the stuff, the liquid beneath him, becoming firmer. But it became even harder to move when it became firmer. And yet he kept going until eventually that liquid, the milk, turned to butter. And all of his unbelievable effort actually helped keep him alive because it had turned the milk. He had churned the milk into butter and he was then able to jump out of the pail to safety. He was heartbroken that he had to leave his big friend behind. But he was relieved to be alive and to be able to teach generations of frogs to not fall into a pail and to keep kicking if they did. I've I've said this um, quote before by the Dalai Lama. 
Open your arms to change, but don't let go of your values. And this is where we have to keep moving forward. Not letting go of our values. What are our values? We actually often have to ask what our values are. And I have been questioning myself since thinking about this program today. I've asked myself, what are the values that actually mean a lot to me? Uh, often we don't even recognize the values that we have. Sometimes we've got to leave, let go of some of the values that we've been taught by, by perhaps uh, other religions or other uh, cultures or whatever it is. They not, might not fit in with our value system, and we have the right to change them. And what are my values? As I say, I've been looking at those. And yesterday's outing with my cousins to the Garden of Remembrance to actually um, honor our ancestors really made me relook at values. I think one of my main values is commitment to my family, which comes with loyalty and responsibility very definitely to them. Compassion and empathy and respect are also very big values of mine, and I do strive towards them. I don't always reach them, I must admit. We're only human, but I do try. And uh, the respect is for each other, regardless of who we are. And then gratitude. Gratitude to me is a, a very big thing, and it is that saying, thank you. Um, and it's it actually makes... I believe gratitude helps us become more optimistic and we feel better about our lives and about other people's lives as well. And what does it do for someone if we actually just acknowledge them, acknowledge who they are in our lives, show appreciation? You know, I think gratitude stops the feeling of entitlement. Yesterday, one of my cousins was telling me that she'd been in a group of people and she couldn't wait to get out. And we looked at what it was about this group of people that really did disturb her. And it was that entitlement, that feeling that they were entitled to to something. uh, um, It was mostly materialistic. Uh, entitlement and it's that certainly is not going to fulfill us now a gratitude for the abundance of life if we actually look around life and see what the abundance of life is and then honesty now honesty is a big one and honesty is something that is quite hard to to always achieve it's living authentically to live our truth and also not to be afraid to stand for it um, stand firm for it And sometimes it's against A lot of other people And it takes courage to do so uh, I don't always have that courage But it's something I do strive towards That integrity of living authentically Then a big one I've said uh, compassion and empathy But a very big one for me Is the value of friendships And relationships And I am very very blessed To have very long-term friendships which mean a lot to me, people that I can go to for guidance in my own life, people that share my values and my belief in in what I believe is, is a greater world. And then, of course, respect and tolerance. And that comes in, I believe, with this compassion, empathy. Tolerance comes in with that as well. 
And as I said, optimism is a big one. And that is, um, that, that optimism is so, the world is not all bad. And if you turn on CNN or News 24 or you look at a J Post, whatever you're going to be looking at, all you ever hear are the negatives of how bad everything is. Very few people share what's good. And that is the power of words. Each of us has that power within us to actually be optimistic, to, to show that the world is not all bad and perhaps to work towards a world without prejudice. Maybe not in our lifetime, but maybe in our children's lifetime, our grandchildren's lifetime. And if we can pass that on, it's huge. And then what about love? Love is such a very, very big, big word. And Sometimes I actually wonder if any of us uh, understand love. And then my daughter-in-law Michelle sent me. I sent this to us on on our on our uh, family chat, and it said, "Recently, I overheard a father and a daughter in their last moments together at the airport. They had announced the departure. Standing near the the security gate, they hugged, and the father said, "I love you, and I wish you enough." The daughter replied. Dad, our life together has been more than enough. Your love is all I ever needed. I wish you enough too, Dad. They kissed and the daughter left. The father walked over to the window where I was seated. Standing there, I could see he wanted and he needed to cry. I tried not to intrude on his privacy, but he welcomed me in by saying, Did you ever say goodbye to someone knowing it would be forever? Yes, I have, I replied. But forgive me for asking, why is this a forever goodbye? And he said, I am old and she lives so far away. I have challenges ahead. And the reality is the next trip back will be for my funeral. When you were saying goodbye, I heard you say, I wish you enough. And I asked, may I ask what that means? He began to smile. That's a wish that has been handed down from other generations. My parents used to say it to everyone. He paused a moment and he looked as if he was trying to remember it in detail. And then he smiled and he said, When we said, I wish you enough, we were wanting the other person to have a life filled with just enough good things to sustain them. Turning towards me, he shared the following as if he was reciting it from memory. I wish you enough sun to keep your attitude bright, no matter how grey the day may appear. I wish you enough rain to appreciate the sun even more. I wish you enough happiness to keep your spirit alive and everlasting. I wish you enough pain so that even the smallest of joys in life may appear bigger. I wish you enough gain to satisfy your wanting. I wish you enough loss to appreciate all that you possess. I wish you enough hellos to get you through the final goodbye. He then began to cry and he walked away. They say it takes a minute to find a special person, an hour to appreciate them, a day to love them, but an entire life to forget them, to forget them. Take time to live.
To all my friends and my loved ones, I wish you enough. That is the most beautiful, beautiful story about I wish you enough because how many of us strive for the wrong things in life and yet that is true love. That is saying these are the things you can grow with. These are what you actually just need to have a good life. And another value after love for me is my existential values, which are nature. I love nature. I heal in nature. I, I feel connected to the world, to humanity, to the earth in nature. Music connects me to other people. And I'm going to go on with ex- existential values shortly. A frequency like no other. 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. If you would like to SMS me, you may do so on 34519. I'd like to hear from you. I did hear from some of you before, and some of you asked me to talk about the, these existential values, which I'm actually going to be talking about right now. And those are what I find for myself, as I said, in nature. I find value. Uh, uh, um, the beauty of nature, the beauty of the sky, all different at times, whether it's light, dark, cloudy, bright, uh, it's beautiful. The different seasons are absolutely, that's one thing I love about uh, Johannesburg. We can really see the seasons change here when the, in our trees and our flowers. And right now spring is here and our garden is just ablaze with beautiful colors. And then music. Music connects us to other times, other dimensions, and other people. And I just find music very healing. And I can cry in music. I can laugh in music. Tonight is uh, Jakob Schwecki's program, and I'm really looking forward to, to, to crying and laughing and singing along in that. Then, of course, community. Uh, the connection with the community I find very important. And religion I also find important. I find uh, the values of religion uh, important as well. Books, I love books. The word, written word, means a lot to me and can also change my thoughts for the day. It can give me new things to think about. And I did mention friendships and relationships. And then someone asked me to talk about resilience. Now, resilience is a very big subject. And I just want to tell you a short story about resilience. And this is about a dog called Gulliver. Now, this dog showed us about not giving up, about courage, love, determination, loyalty, and protection. One day, my husband was told that uh, by one of his em- employees that there was a dog that was being severely um, abused in the flats near him and uh, near this employee. And my husband said, steal the dog and bring him to us. Well, the dog was stolen. The man actually managed to wait for the people to, to leave and he climbed over the fence, broke the chain that the dog was chained in and actually put him in a van and brought him to our house. As this dog got out of the van, um, 
he came he uh, he was brought inside he was carried inside and immediately he went behind our couch he was shivering he was shaking he was salivating he was terrified he had been severely abused and he wouldn't come out from behind the couch no matter how i tried to entice him with food with water whatever with kind words he didn't take any notice of me he just shivered and shook and then my son norman was a little boy at the time he was probably about 7 and he came home from school and i said to him we've got a dog and he said where i said behind the couch he, he just won't come out and just then norman went behind the couch and he sat down on the floor next to the dog and he spoke to him and he smoothed him and the dog started reacting to this voice, to the kind gesture. And eventually Norman asked me to bring him some food for the dog, which I did. And Norman lay down next to the dog and held his quivering body. And the dog began to eat and then to drink and then to lick Norman's arm. Later that afternoon, we took him to the vet and the vet said he was a mixture between a Great Dane and a Ridgeback, but that he would never grow because of malnutrition. Uh, his growth had been stunted. Well, it just shows you that often the predictions we make can be wrong because this dog grew into a big dog. Love actually changed him. Resilience actually made him stronger. And then loyalty came in. One day, a postman came to deliver a, a uh, something to my front door. In those days, we didn't have fences or gates or anything up. And um, uh, he was an Afrikaans man, came to the door, spoke to me in Afrikaans. And hand, as he started handing me this parcel, um, my, this dog, Gulliver, jumped up, grabbed the man by his arm and wouldn't let go. He didn't bite him. He just stopped him from actually reaching towards me. He was protecting me. And it was quite amazing. This was a dog that at one stage was broken in spirit, in body, and uh, he's, he managed to actually end up as the most incredible uh, dog. And we called him Gulliver because of his travels. He had traveled, um, you know, from poverty and, and hardship to the love of a family. And he taught us a lot about resilience. So how do we cope with resilience? And it's back to that what Viktor Frankl calls between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space lies our freedom and our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our happiness. So what is our challenge? It is to keep moving forward. And as I said at the beginning of the program, the, the um, positive psychology says post-traumatic stress disorder doesn't have to uh, absolutely cripple us. We can turn it into post-traumatic growth or a success story. It depends on how we want to actually um, respond. Now, you know, there's also that striving against injustice, which becomes the responsibility. And um, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs says, life is God's call to responsibility. 
responsibility towards oneself, one's family, one's community and society. Now, Hillel said, if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? But if I am for myself alone, what am I? And this goes back to what I said right at the beginning, that no one can give meaning to your life. They cannot tell you what your life is. It's unique to you, and no one can tell you what your purpose is. But I can say that by reaching out to others, we reach in and we heal ourselves and we do find meaning and often we find purpose. And if you look at many, many associations, look at compassionate friends, at um, rape, um, uh, rape for women associations or rape for men associations, um, the gay rights community, look at all of those a lot of those people have been injured themselves, but they have decided to actually change their wounds into something greater than themselves. It's moving from victim to victor, and by reaching out to others, they have reached in and healed themselves, and that is amazing. And it doesn't mean to say that you're going to be without pain or without uh, some form of trauma that keeps coming back to you. Trauma does reappear. It doesn't go away forever, and it does revisit us. And often at the most odd times, it does. It's If you take grief, for instance, just when you think I'm really coming to terms with this, you suddenly hit with that terrible feeling of loss again, and you have to start. You think you're starting from the beginning, and that's where we are wrong. And that is something that I have learned in my own life, that we never go back to where we actually were. Because we are human beings on this quest to find meaning and therefore we are moving forward. It's along that journey. It's not, Rabbi Atzon was saying last week at Ashi'ur, it's not the top of the mountain that we're looking at. It's actually the pathway that we have are working or walking towards and walking on. And on that pathway there are the challenges the whole time. But silence can be seen as being compliant in what is wrong. And that's what we've got to work against. And this is also a value that I think we have to strive towards. Rabbi Avraham Herschel, or Heschel, I think his name is, he's a Holocaust survivor. He actually wrote that indifference to evil is more insidious than evil itself. And this, I think we've got to teach ourselves the, that empathy again and the responsibility that makes us identify with each other, with other people's pains, with their happiness, with their sadness, with their failures. Look at those and see what we can actually do. And um, and then, of course, charity and tzedakah. Um, um, Tzedakah uh, uh, comes from uh, the word tzedai. Uh, it comes from two words, dalit and quaf, uh, I think it, uh, they say, righteousness, justice, and fairness. And there is that social obligation of ours to reach out to the poor, the orphan, the widow, the stranger, anyone who is actually suffering. And acts of loving kindness and good deeds without doubt 
help us find meaning and our purpose in our lives. It is what's called tikkum olam, which is the social activism. And as uh, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi um, Afton, I almost gave this to you, but you also say this, but it's what Rabbi um, Sachs calls repairing the world. And we need to all think of doing that and have that as one of our values. Now, I hope this has not come across as a, as a lecture for you. Uh, Craig is telling me that I've got to start wrapping up. I just want to say that next week I've got a, a, a Xenia Aeotis. I hope I pronounced it correctly. And she's a life coach, an intuitive eating counselor. And she's going to be talking of the art of mindful eating. And I believe she is absolutely amazing. So I can't wait to hear her and to have her on my show. And then I also want to just credit my son-in-law, Paul, with this quote that I would like to end with. And then we're actually going to end with a song by um, um, Michael Bolton, which is Stand By Me. But Paul sent this on our family chat yesterday. I'm so lucky with my, my in-law children. Paul says, health does not always come from medicine. Sometimes it comes from the peace of mind, peace in the heart, Peace in the soul. It comes from laughter and love. I wish you all laughter and love. Thank you so much.